Alan Kring Productions, in association with the Emergent Light Studio, presents the Illinois State Collegiate Compendium, Academic Lectures in Business and Economics. This is Business Finance, FIL 240, for Autumn Semester 2023. Today, on Structures. I will rant until 2.35, and that's when you will sit down and take that happy quiz that I have prepared for you. Uh, and uh, as far as next week goes, the, um, what was I going to say? Oh, review is on Monday, test is on Wednesday, and I've also put off Chapter 7, the homework, until Monday night after the exam. So it's not due soon. It's doing uh, after you have gone through the uh, pleasure of doing the exam and studying for and all of that. No point in doing that right now. But um, and as you saw in that announcement, two things. One is I've my TA is now available for tutoring hours on Mondays and Wednesdays. If you need some more or if those times don't work, just tell me and we'll see if I can get some more hours for her up in the uh, room that she's got. And uh, as far as the test goes, and you need to use this for this uh, quiz, I've got uh, new versions of the Excel sheets. There are three templates that you'll want to look at, the ones that I've re-uploaded. All I did was make it so that it's obvious what you fill in and what you leave alone, and color coding the uh, the spreadsheets, uh, the entry uh, locations. And that should help you, guide you. And if you can handle this, you're in good shape. Now this isn't all the questions on the uh, numerical questions, but this covers some major ones. So just stay frosty, you'll have 20 minutes to do it. That should be enough time for you to clear it out and get a good score on the quiz going into the uh, midterm. Now, Look at the markets, and this is not a this is not a spectacular day by any means. If you look at well, actually, it's turned up. It was really flat, almost trying to dive down there, and then look at this. We got the uh, Dow up just a little tiny bit, two tenths, two hundredths of a percent, and then we've got the S and P five hundred coming in at more than 0.4%, and then the NASDAQ almost making 1%. Uh, that was beating, there were some prognosticators over the last day or so talking about how the markets are shocked by these high interest rates and how it's going to, interest rates are going to stay high for a while, so that's going to hurt the markets. As you can see, that's not the case. As I've told you, my, uh, it looks like it's a good uh, market uh, and a good economy coming up. Even though we do have high interest rates, this is sort of a little bit of a repeat of history. Interest rates have been way below their normal levels for several years now, more than several years. And now these interest rates that we see now, they seem high, 
but they're more in line with historical uh, interest rates. And we've had good economies in those kinds of interest rate environments. So there you are. Now have a look here, crude oil, there you go. As I had said over and over again, I wasn't worried about it going into the hundreds. It's coming back into that, uh, uh, that band that it seems to like it was well above well it was above it there for a couple of weeks off and on but now it's going back down $84 a barrel uh, 84.66 on the light suite Brent crude and uh, I mean you'll probably see gasoline prices slip a little bit over the next couple of weeks. Uh, they never really did go sky high, even when oil was going up in price. But now everything's good. And we've got gold taking a nosedive well down. So the apocalypse freaks are uh, in retreat now, getting rid of gold because the economy's doing fine. So that's good news too. Happy news all over the place. And we got the 10-year bond. Here's the thing that you might want to notice is that the 10-year bond, yield is down, price is up. So there's buying into the bonds. And that would be on the speculation that the yields are going to be improving over the uh, uh, next few weeks or so, uh, reflecting the longer-term trend of a higher interest rate regime in the, in the current economic recovery and expansion. But uh, it's nothing to worry about too much right now. Uh, interest rates are going to be higher. Car loans, home loans are going to have pretty stiff rates on them. And that's because the supply of money has been contracted. Supply of something goes down, price goes up, price of money is interest rates. <sighs> the euro is, and the pound have had a little bit of an appreciation, nothing spectacular. But they're up a little bit as the Europeans uh, start pushing their interest rates up. That'll make their currencies more valuable. The Japanese yen is just sort of sitting there looking funny. But anyway, over on the other side of the world, the Nikkei took a, no, took a bath today. That, that's a pretty bad day. Two and a quarter percent down on the Nikkei last night. So they're in, they're in a bad mood. And London took a pretty good, took a dive. It began to recover there at the end, but it still wasn't enough to bring it up even near to where it started. So we're all good on the markets right now. It's a decent day. Hey, it's a good day for me too. Uh, as I had, no, half of it's good, half of it sucks. But... <clears throat> AMC is actually living up to those expectations. Remember I showed you that there was the projection was that it was going to double its price over the next 52 weeks. Well, it looks like it's actually going to do that. It's trying to anyway. So that's good news for us there too. Just to have a look at a stock, just to keep you fresh on screens and all of that. And I'm trying to think of something that would be worth uh, talking about. Oh, oh, let me take their, their suggestion. Let's look at Novavax. Oh, that's a hurtful one. Novavax is one of the vaccine manufacturing companies. Now, interestingly enough, the two heavies that were building the mRNA vaccine, Pfizer and mRNA, Pfizer and Moderna, they did well, and they're still doing well, and they 
the prospects are very strong for them. The other companies that were trying to, Johnson & Johnson did okay with its, it's doing okay, but uh, there were a number of other companies, publicly traded, smaller, small cap companies, that were trying to pull it off. Novavax was one of them. What was that one? So, uh, Sorrento was one of them, and there was another one too. I can't remember what it was. AstraZeneca. But they didn't do so well, and as you can see, the prospects for Novavax, it has a high beta, high risk stock. Its EPS is badly negative, so there's no PE ratio. In other words, it's losing money, no dividend. So what could possibly be good about this? Well, let's look at what the projection is for its uh, one year holding period return. Now it doesn't have a dividend yield, so we don't have to add that in. All we do is take the projected price of $20.60 in one year divided by the investment today of 7.16 minus 1 and then times 100. Oh my God. <laughs> 187% is a projected increase, the yield. There's no dividend yield to add in there. That's all just pure capital gain for a one-year hold. And for, well, obviously the bait of this stock is spectacularly high, so you expect a high return, but that's, that is really high, 187.71%. What could possibly be the reason for projections of that kind of a price increase over the next year? Anything possible that could be going on that would make that happen? You got a guess? New vaccine research? That would be my guess. That, that's what our guess is. Novavax was in the hunt and it was trying a novel technology to create a vaccine. Didn't work out. However, what they did was seminal for producing new vaccines of other kinds. And those are on the cusp of going to clinical trials, apparently. And so if even one of their vaccines turns out to work, they could be heroes and that stock price will go spiraling up as the projection is thinking it will. Smart money, well, you're taking an awful risk. Look at that beta, 1.68, yeah, about that. That's a, that's a lot of risk, but I mean, just throw, buy 10 shares for $70 and change, and you could have yourself a, a decent little return to come out almost like, that's almost 200%. That would be like $20 for those 10 shares. That'd be $200 for a $70 throw. And, you know, we all talk, and you're going to hear me just preach this gospel. Long-term investments, buy and hold, and all that. But almost all of us, have our own little thing on the side, a fun money uh, account where we throw money at these kinds of things and just see if they work. Uh, usually they don't, but sometimes you get a real home run. And so I am actually taking a position, I've taken a position in Novavax. I did it a few weeks ago. This is not because I'm just starting to do it. 
But at the same time, I'll probably lose. The stock will probably, the company will probably go bankrupt considering I've decided to invest in it. But you never know. This is your you know, fun money account. You just throw at some possible prospects. You buy a do you spend a dollar for a lottery ticket, that kind of thing. So there you go. Anyway, uh, on, the, on the midterm, I'll have a screen. You just answer questions, one after the other. It's nothing I haven't shown you. Just tell me risk, uh, uh, undervalued, overvalued, or you can't tell how much you'll pay to buy 100 shares, how much you'd pay to sell, how much you'd get if you sold 100 shares, that whole thing, and the uh, total uh, holding period return. That'd be a nice little block of four or five questions uh, on the midterm exam. Not hard if you know how to read these screens if you've just been watching me do it all this time. Anyway, where the heck was, oh. Now, one thing I, I do want to show you here, um, for part of the lecture, well, matter of fact, let me show this to you right now. I'm going to turn this off so you don't see the back curtain for a minute here until I get into student view. Uh, this is 240, and bear with me one minute while I pull up the files. Okay, so now, well, let me do that again. Home, student view. Okay. Really? There you go. This is how you see the course in Canvas. Now here in Files, if you haven't been here already, you'll see that there is a uh, folder called Spreadsheets. Now the Spreadsheet folder, the ones that will be important for you for the exam would be the loan payment, the NPV and IRR, and the present, value, present and future values. Those would be the ones that would you would want to have already up on your computer, maybe, before the, uh, you walk in here on Monday. Just have those up. And this weekend, just play with them, play with the spreadsheets. Don't change formulas, for heaven's sakes. But I'll show you one of them right now. Um, uh, yeah, let me just do the, pull out the loan payment. And you, you can see how it works. Oh heck, that's not what I wanted at all. Close. Downloads. Yeah, there it is. In Excel. Now, the only thing I did, I, I improved them so that there's color coding. What you touch, what you don't touch. So I can put in, if I did give you a problem, 30-year loan with a fixed rate, a 30-year fixed rate loan with an APR of, let's say, 7.09%, and you're going to borrow $180,000, and there's no future value. I should have color-coded that. But anyway, there is your loan payment and your effective rate that fast, and that's a question on the exam. So if you know how to use a spreadsheet, which, well, wait, 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 didn't I say 30 years? You're saying, well, fat boy, where'd you, say, where'd you tell us 12? I said monthly, what's your monthly payment? So that by default means that your compoundings are 12. So anyway, right there, all, of, all you have to do is say, well, ha ha, I know how to do this, lol. 
$1,208.44 a month payments, and your effective rate is 7.32%. That's what Excel's power is. That's why I want you to be able to use Excel the way we use it in business. Oftentimes we build a template, but oftentimes you go into a corporation and the template is already there, and you just have to know how to read a problem that is in front of you and put the numbers in the right place. That's what I'm doing here. And that, uh, see, that's the color coding is what I put in. Yeah. The exam Monday or Wednesday? Is what? What day is the exam Monday? Uh, Monday we review, Wednesday we test. So there you go. That's all there is to it, okay? It's not hard at all once you get the hang of it. And the same is true for the NPV and IRR spreadsheet, and the same is true for the, um, um, what was it, what the, oh, present value and future value of annuities. It's the same thing. You just know, have to know how to read problems and put them into Excel in the right place, and you're done. You're gold. Now, the other, no, don't say that. The other part of th this lecture today, the part that I will hold off, I'm not going to kill you with this today. I'm going to finish up what I did on Monday with b the overall uh, structure of bonds. But we are going to pr find prices of bonds and yields on bonds. And I have, well, did I, have I published that one yet? No, I'm in the wrong place. Okay, bond calculations. This can be really daunting to do. The formulas are not that easy to work with. In fact, in one case, you really can't even use a formula to get an answer. You have to work back and forth. Fortunately, Excel, if for, for lack of a better term, let me do that again. Excel can do bond yields and bond prices like a boss. And you have one for this. We won't use that one today, obviously, and this will be for the final exam. At the, after the midterm on Monday, I'll go through this. If you do this by hand or even on a financial calculator, it can really make you a sad person. But with Excel, these things just dump out. All you have to do is understand how a bond works, know what goes where in these, in these uh, cells with the numbers in them, and it comes out every time exactly right. And that's how I'm going to teach it. On, I, I'm, like I said, I'm not going to do that today. It's chapter 7. But I'm going to wait. If you want to try to do the homework before I do that on Monday, uh, I'm on, uh, the Monday after this coming one, well, pull this up. If you figure out how it works, it is a joke to do these. <sighs> so the power, be glad for the technologies we have now because before this, it was an awful lot like work to do these kinds of problems. Anyway, there's that. Now, what I did want to do is finish what I had been doing on Monday it won't take long, and then you've got the quiz to take. Remind, reminding myself of, okay. Let me do something here.
let's say I'm just going to write this up. Now, bond uh, stocks, the tickers are easy. Uh, MSFT, uh, IBM, uh, RIVN, or something like that. Bond ticker symbols are a genuine art form. They usually start with the ticker symbol of the stock, and then they have this string of numbers after them, representing characteristics of the bond. And I'm not going to fatigue you by showing you how that works. It's not that hard, but you're, you're trying to look at these bonds and you're figuring out, okay, what is this bond? It's a CVS bond, but it's not what I would expect. So I'm going to do it a little. Uh, I'm going to do it a little bit more simply. Suppose that I have a CVS. This is a bond. There would be a string of numbers after it. But then you would see some critical information. A CVS 4.25%-2037. And that's a simplified way of showing a bond quote. A couple of things about the bond, the, the bond I know. The first thing is that that would be the coupon. In other words, this bond pays 4.25% of the face value. Now the face value of a bond, we always work in units of 1,000. Okay? That's how we always do it. Not always, but that's how you should think about bonds. So that means that you take that 4.25% and so that's the coupon you will get $42.50 per year in interest that's what the coupon does it says based on a thousand dollar face value, and the face value is $1,000, unless I say differently, or unless someone says differently, it's a face value of $1,000. Okay, that's great. It's a, this, you'll get a check for $42.50. Now, technically, you'll, most companies pay that $42.50 in two semi-annual installments. So every six months you get $21.25. But don't worry too much about that now. We'll deal with that later. This is the year of maturity. So this bond We'll be paying this coupon for $42.50 every year. And then in the year 2037, it will make one last coupon payment of $42.50. And it will also pay off the $1,000. That'll happen at the end. The $1,000 will be paid back. You lent CVS $1,000. It carry, you carried them with just the interest payments clear to 2037, 
and in that year you get your last interest payment, annual interest payment or whatever, and you get your $1,000 back. So along the way, the company is servicing its debt to you, and at the end, it gives one last service payment on the, on the debt, and it pays off the face value. A caution here. Now, you will see on the ticker parade the price of the bond, and you will see, see the yield on the bond. You will, one of those you will be given, the other must be calculated. You either have the price and you calculate the yield, or you have the yield and you calculate the price. That's what that sheet's for. So that all you have to do is punch in the coupon, the year of maturity, well they want the date, I'll go into that in a minute. And then you either punch in the price that I've given you and it spits out the yield, you punch in the yield and it spits out the price. That's all there is to it. Nothing more to it. So I could say that the price of this bond is $976.20. And then I would have to calculate the yield. This, uh, well, no, I'm not going to even do that right now. A little caution. You have to watch it because this is something that happens some, in some formulas in Excel. Back centuries ago, Wall Street would, uh, every morning on Wall Street, they would, the, these uh, publishers along the street line there in Manhattan and just off the street would print out this giant broadsheet that had the opening stock and bond prices on it. So the traders would go and be heading to their offices and they would stop by one of the paper, one of the places that had the, these broadsheets and they'd buy it. Well, those broadsheets had to have everything on them. So they were definitely broad, but the columns were extremely narrow. That way they could get all of that data onto the one sheet. With stocks, and this happened in your lifetimes, but it was before you would have been known anything about it. Stocks weren't quoted in dollars and cents. They were quoted in dollars and fractions. Halves, quarters, eighths, sixteenths so that the fraction would not necessarily be shown in its entirety, just the numerator of the fraction would be. So you might see a stock that was quoting at eight, and then there'd be a little space and a two. Well, that would have to have been, well, no, it wouldn't have been a two. Let's say it would have been a five. That would have said that the stock price at the opening, or at the close of the last night, I should say, was eight dollars and five eighths. Eight and five eighths. That's how they did it. And it compressed so that the column could be very narrow. They did the same with bonds. They didn't quote bonds by the price. They quoted them on the hundred. 
So you would not have, in the old days, seen $976.20. You would have seen just $96.20. Oh, $97.62. That is a quote on the hundreds. And they still do that to this day. If you call to buy a bond and you ask for a quote, They'll quote it on the hundred, but you are going to pay on the thousand. Now, I bring this up, uh, aside from the fact that you might trade in bonds someday. Excel, one of the two sheets that I provide you, it wants you to give not the price in dollars, but the quote on the hundred. I don't know why they do it, but they do it. I, you'll see it. I'll show it to you again. Don't worry about it right now. But you just got to be a little cautious. Do you want this on, in dollars or do you want this on the hundred? This became a uh, long time ago. Uh, there was this fellow I knew. He was pretty wealthy. He thought he was a brilliant stock investor. He had a computer program before anyone even knew, most people even knew about computer programs uh, in the early 1990s. And um, he went and he bought 10, he saw this quote for a bond at 97.50. So he put in an order for 10 of them. For some reason he, he didn't understand and then he's calling me. He called me, yelling his brains out. They're ripping me off. They, they took nine, almost $10,000 out of my account. Uh, Frank, that, what did you see? What did they tell you? They told me it was, some, it was something like ninety-eight fifty or something like that. Frank, that's on the hundred. That's just a quote. It's one-tenth of the actual price. Whoever said it, when did they figure that out? Well, Frank, that would have been back in the early 1800s. So do make sure that you know that if you see something that looks that cheap, it's probably a quote, not a price. Uh, and you have to times it by 1,000. But for some reason, Excel, one of its bond calculations, the one to calculate a yield, they want you to give not a price, but a quote. So you just have to remember that. It's on the hundred. They want it on the hundred. But anyway, enough of that. Going to this, though. So you have one of two things that's going, you're going to need to get the other thing that you would need. One of those you're going to get is the price, and you'll get the yield. Or you'll have the yield, and you'll get the price. Now, the yield is... The price drives the yield. The higher the price, the lower the yield. The lower the price, the higher the yield. Remember how I keep harping on that? Well, one way or the other, the yield is what the market thinks the coupon should be. Now, the coupon is set when the bond is issued. It's fixed. It's there. And it will be there until the end. But the market isn't going to just sit on that, yep, that's a good coupon, the prevailing interest rates are going to go up and down, so the market is going to reassess every minute of every day what the yield on the bond should be. So if the bond, if the market, let's say that the market 
clearly the coupon is 4.2%, 25%. Suppose that the market thinks that the yield should be 4.60%. Well, they can't do anything about the coupon, but they'll drive the price. What will they do to the price? The price will go through the floor. It will drop because the market says you're not paying enough. So we're going to sell bonds. If, on the other hand, the market decides that the bonds should pay a coupon of, let's say, 3.98%, well, gee, this is a nice bond. It's paying us more than that. So the price will go up as investors buy this bond because it's got a, a coupon better than what they want. That's all there is to it. And I'll say this again. Don't sweat it if it's not catching on with you right now. But do notice that what is going to happen is whenever prices of bonds go up, their yields are going to go down. And whenever the prices of bonds go down, the yields are going up. That's what I show you every day in this thing right here. Now, this is a yield on a 10-year benchmark treasury, but treasuries work like any other bonds. So when I show you this right here, you see how the yield on that bond is going down. That would mean that the price on that bond is going up. Investors are buying the bonds, which is pushing the yields downward. The yield on this one has dropped 6.7 basis points. It's nothing spectacular, but still, that all that's happening here is that in a case like this, the investors are buying these bonds, pushing the prices up, and that is causing the yields to go down. That's all there is to it. One last thing I want to bring up here, back, getting away from this quantitative part a little bit, not totally. You see this year right here, the year of the year. Now, realistically, I would have to give you a month and a day. On September the 12th of 2037, the bond retires and you get your $1,000. So it would, you would probably want to know more than just 2037. But there is something to be said here. This bond, I would speculate that it was issued in either 2007 or 2017. In other words, it was either, this is either a 20-year bond or a 30-year bond. It's already out there. This is selling in the secondary market. It's been bouncing around for some years now. The number of years to maturity in this bond is 14. How long the bond still has left. Not how long the bond was for when it was issued. It was a 20 year or a 30 year. The term of the bond is how much time it has remaining on it. So in other words, sir, your term was 85. I'm sorry, your maturity, 85. When you were born, well, he's got a maturity of uh, 85, 85 years. But that's no longer the case. 
your term is now 64. And it will get smaller and smaller. <laughs> right now, mine is beginning to be measured in decimals. But you see what I mean? The term is shortening. So remember that. You do a quick little calculation. And I actually, I think I gave the, did that wrong. Let me make sure. And if you have to do this, there's no problem with you, unless there's a problem with me. Okay, I said September the 12th. That's almost October the 2nd. So... 23 23-25, 25-26, 27-28, 29-30, 30-31, 31-32, 32-33, 32-34, 34-35, 35-36, 36-37, 14 years. <sighs> yeah, I, I got it. Usually you can just do the subtraction. 20-37 minus the year we're in. And that'll give you the term. But be a little cautious of that. Excel excels, if for lack of a better word, at wanting the exact date you bought it, as well as the exact date it matures. Okay? The date that you buy a bond, when it's yours, it's showing up in your account, that's called the settlement date. That's called the settlement date. The date of record for when you own the bond is called the settlement date. And Excel asks for that when you calculate a yield. For some reason, it doesn't ask for that when you uh, calculate a price. But when you calculate a yield, it wants a settlement date as well as the date of maturity of it. Now, in a class like this, I make it easy for you. Settlement date is, I'll give you a date for the settlement, and then the term of years later is the, excuse me, maturity date. But, I mean, they can be different, and that can have a little effect on price and yield. It's just something to keep in mind that it, you're going to see that Excel sheet. If you pull that out this weekend, you're going to see settlement date. Now, I've made it so that if you know the year, you can just put in the current date and the term, and it will spit out the maturity date. Or if you put in the maturity date and the term, it will spit out the settlement date, as exactly that many years before. So I made the Excel sheet uh, simplified for a class like this. But other than that, that it truly is. Did I close that? Yeah, I, I closed it. Oh, well. Anyway. That's enough on this subject. You need to get started on your uh, getting your quiz up and running. And yes, you need to. You may pull up those Excel templates so that it makes it a lot easier for you to do it. When you're faced with that quiz, that's all I have for you today. I thank you. <laughs>